God, we love you, and we are just grateful to be able to be in this place this morning, God. Grateful to be together, to be able to worship, grateful to be together, to be able to dive into your word and have you just speak through your word to us. God, this morning we come to your word knowing that your word is alive, it is active, and we know that you speak to us through your word. So this morning, I pray that you would do exactly that, that you would use me this morning, that my words would be your words and not just my words. No one came to hear me speak this morning. We all come to hear a word from you. And so God, I just pray that you would continue to speak to us through your word, continue to move through your word. Would you shape and challenge us? Would you uh, let us leave here knowing that we have met with the one true God? May we leave here changed and shaped by you and your word. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> amen. Well, we're in uh, week two of our series, Looking at Elijah. Uh, we have spent all year this year uh, looking into different pieces of scripture, really diving into scripture. One of our main emphasis is, uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> uh, one of those uh, at the beginning of the year was to learn and follow scripture both personally and in community. And, uh, you know, we have really done that well, I think, this year, in community at least. I hope you have been doing well individually as well. But as we have just gone through and gone really deep into different parts of Scripture, uh, and most of those parts of Scripture are not places that we usually go deep. We spent the summer in the Psalms, really going deep into Psalms. We, we just got done in Habakkuk, and now we're in uh, First Kings looking at Elijah. And, uh, you know, Elijah is, is a really interesting guy, especially coming off of the Habakkuk series, right? Habakkuk is a prophet who is really not well known, right? He is one of these guys who has just kind of, we, we, and here's what we do. We chalk it up to, well, he's only got maybe three or four pages in there. We just don't really, haven't really read it much. You know, I haven't really done that. I don't really know him. But here's the crazy thing. Elijah is way more well known. But in my Bible, he's got like three or four pages, right? He's there and he does some pretty cool things. One of which we're going to talk about this morning. Uh, but this, his, his, this prophet Elijah is uh, just an amazing guy. And we met him last week in 1 Kings chapter 17, which is where his story really begins. And we meet him, and he is introduced to us as Elijah the Tishbite from Tishba and Gilead. Right? And we know that uh, he is sent by God to King Ahab, who is an evil king. Uh, and, and 1 Kings 16 says that he has done more evil in the eyes of the Lord than any king before him. Right? So we know that he is an evil king. He sends Elijah to him, and he basically says, look... There's not going to be any rain for three years, which this is essentially a death sentence, right? No rain for three years means no food, no crops, no income for the farmers. It's just, it's, it's not a good thing. So he goes and speaks to him and then God just kind of takes him away. God sends him to the Kareth ravine. The Kareth ravine, Kareth means cut off. He is, he is put into a place of isolation where he is just taught over and over the provision of God. Ravens bring him food in the morning. Ravens bring him food in the evening. He is by a creek in the middle of a famine where he can drink clean water. And then God sends him out where he is able to kind of teach out of this provision to this woman that he, he sees. And it was just, a, just an amazing kind of introduction to him. We're going to pick up the story this morning in 1 Kings chapter 18. So if you want to turn there in your Bibles with me, 1 Kings chapter 18. If you are in our pew Bibles uh, and you need that, it's on page 305 if you're interested. Uh, the story that we're going to read today is probably 
the most well-known story of Elijah. Uh, if you know Elijah and you don't know much about Elijah, you still probably know this story about Elijah. And that's the story that we're going to read this morning uh, in 1 Kings chapter 18. Um, but this is probably, honestly, one of my favorite stories in Scripture. So we pick it up here. We'll pick it up in verse 1 in chapter 18. And here's, here's what Scripture says. After a long time, in the third year, so this has been a little bit, right? After a long time in the third year, the word of the Lord came to Elijah. Go and present yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain on the land. So Elijah went to present himself to Ahab. Now the famine was severe in Samaria, and Ahab had summoned Obadiah, his palace administrator. Obadiah was a devout believer in the Lord. While Jezebel was killing off the Lord's prophets, Obadiah had taken a hundred prophets and hidden them in two caves, fifty in each, and had supplied them with food and water. Ahab had said to Obadiah, go through the land to all the springs and valleys. Maybe we can find some grass to keep the horses and mules alive so we'll not have to kill any of our animals. So they divided the land they were to cover, Ahab going in one direction, Obadiah in another. As Obadiah was walking along, Elijah met him. I want to stop actually kind of before this. Well, actually, no, we'll keep reading. Elijah met him. Obadiah recognized him, bowed down to the ground and said, is it really you, my Lord Elijah? <clears throat> yes, he replied. Go tell your master Elijah is here. <laughs> what have I done wrong, asked Obadiah, that you are handing your servant over to Ahab to be put to death? As surely as the Lord your God lives, there is not a nation or a kingdom where my master has not sent someone to look for you. And whenever a nation or kingdom claimed you were not there, he made them swear they could not find you. But now you tell me to go to my master and say, Elijah is here. I don't know where the spirit of the Lord may carry you when I leave you. If I go and tell Ahab and he doesn't find you, he'll kill me. Yet I, your servant, have worshipped the Lord since my youth. Having you heard, my Lord, what I did while Jezebel was killing the prophets of the Lord, I hid a hundred of the Lord's prophets in two caves, fifty in each, and supplied them with food and water. And now you tell me to go to my master and say, Elijah is here. He will kill me. Elijah said, as the Lord Almighty lives, whom I serve, I will surely present myself to Ahab today. That's just the beginning of this story, right? Well, this is laying a little bit of context, a little bit of the, the foreshadowing into this meeting between King Ahab and Elijah that we're going to be talking about in a little bit. But I want us to just notice some things here. Again, there is a, there is a famine in the land. Again, three-year famine. And I want you to hear this. King Ahab has sent Obadiah, who is one of the higher-ups in his administration, to go one way, and he's going to go the other way to look for food and water for their animals. Now, I want you to think about this. King Ahab, evil king. Okay? Think about, if he is going off to look for supplies, what is most likely available locally? Not much. You can think about the people that are there locally and just how bad this has gotten, right? This is, this is not a good situation in the land. There is no food. There is no water. I think King Ahab would probably rather his animals live than the people in his kingdom. And so he's going off to look for food and water for his animals so they wouldn't have to kill his animals. Obadiah, on his way, meets Elijah, which is wild because they've been looking for him everywhere. But remember, he has been in hiding. He has been in the Kareth Ravine. But Elijah's just there, meets Obadiah, and Elijah just says, go tell Ahab I want to see him. And just this, this, this conversation is like one of those conversations like, 
where have you been? Like, do you not know what is happening here? Like, okay, you want me to just go to King Ahab, tell him I found you. Like, do you realize what you've done? Do you realize what he's done? Do you realize what his wife, who is also just an evil woman, has done? Do you realize what is going on? You want me to go meet him? And Elijah is basically just like, yeah, yeah, I do. As surely as the Lord lives, I'm going to meet Ahab today. And so now we pick up the story, right? We pick up the story in verse 16. So Obadiah went to meet Ahab and told him, and Ahab went to meet Elijah. When he saw Elijah, he said to him, is that you, you troubler of Israel? That word troubler there in the original is kind of like snake. He's basically calling him a snake right now. Is that you, you troubler of Israel? Verse 18, I have not made trouble for Israel, Elijah replied, but you and your father's family have. You've abandoned the Lord's commands and have followed the Baals. I'll stop right here because this is, this is good stuff here to understand what is about to happen. We, we remember in, in chapter 16, we see that Ahab is one of the most evil kings. What is it that made Ahab feel like he's on this, or what made God kind of put Ahab on the top of this king who has done evil things? There's a lot there, obviously. It's not just this, but one of the things is he has taken God down and brought these false gods up to the same level, if not a little higher. These false gods, Baal and Asherah. Baal is the sun god, which will be ironic later. I'm just foreshadowing, okay? Baal is the sun god. Asherah is sort of Baal's significant other, right? They are, they are together, and they are gods, and they have prophets of their own. They have worship of their own. Part of that we talked about last week. Part of it, part of what Ahab has done is he has brought all of these in. He has basically turned a, what is, was supposed to be a monotheistic society in Israel, monotheistic being a one-god society, into a polytheistic society, which means multiple gods. Right? He, he is, in doing so, he has taken the importance of God, he's lowered it. God was just one of the guys, one of the gods. Now, one of the guys is probably more accurate, actually. But he's just one of the gods now. He's not the God, he is just a God. And his wife Jezebel took it even further. After Elijah said, three years no rain, Jezebel just went on a tear and started killing all of God's prophets. So, same level, I don't even know, right? Baal and Asher are probably up here and God is somewhere down here. So we have this, this meeting and Elijah has a plan. Verse 19, now, summon the people from all over Israel to meet me on Mount Carmel. Bring me the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400, and 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. Which, that's a big table. <laughs> but, <clears throat> verse 20. So Ahab sent word throughout all Israel and assembled the prophets on Mount Carmel. Elijah went before the people and said, How long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. But the people said nothing. Then Elijah said to them, I am the only one of the Lord's prophets left, but Baal has 450 prophets. Get two bulls for us. Let Baal's prophets choose one for themselves and let them cut it into pieces and put it on the wood, but not set fire to it. 
I'll prepare the other bowl and put it on the wood, but not set fire to it. Then you will call on the name of your God, and I will call on the name of the Lord. The God who answers by fire, he is God. Then all the people said, what you say is good. Now, I alluded to this earlier. This is basically Elijah putting the ball right in their court. What is Baal? Baal is the sun god. He's the god of fire. He's saying, look, let's both put a bull on the altar. And whichever god responds with fire, <laughs> he's the real god. Basically, like, just, he's just, if Baal is real, like, he's just teeing it up for him. Right? Like, hey, here, here's this thing. Just respond with fire. You are the fire god, right? Just respond with fire. He's just teeing the ball up for him. And he, he's, he's just directly challenging this. Uh, he's saying, look, who, whoever answers by fire is the one true God. He's putting the ball in their court. If Baal is real, this is the easiest challenge that Baal would ever face. Respond with fire. Keep going here. Verse 25, I think. Yes. Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, choose one of the bulls and prepare it first, since there are so many of you. Call on the name of your God, but do not light the fire. So they took the bull given them and prepared it. Then they called on the name of Baal from morning until noon. Baal, answer us, they shouted. But there was no response. No one answered. And they danced around the altar they had made. At noon, Elijah began to taunt them. Shout louder, he said. Surely he's a god. Perhaps he's in deep thought or busy or traveling. That word busy there, just, just going to throw this out here. <laughs> it literally means maybe he's relieving himself. Maybe he's in the bathroom, right? That's, that's what he's saying. He's just, he's just letting him have it right now, right? So uh, he began to shout louder. He says, surely he's God. Perhaps he's in deep thought or busy <laughs> or traveling. Maybe he's sleeping and must be awakened. So they shouted louder. They slashed themselves with swords and spears, as was their custom. This is part of that worship that I was talking about. Until the blood flowed. Midday passed, and they continued their frantic prophesying until the time for the evening sacrifice. But there was no response. No one answered. No one paid attention. Now, I, this is why I like Elijah. Elijah just goes right at him. Just, just taunts him, just makes fun of him, just is like, you know, this is, if your God is real, maybe, where is he? I don't, I don't read from the message that often, but sometimes in times like these, I like to. <laughs> and here, here's what the message says. It says, by noon, Elijah started making fun of them, taunting, call a little louder. He is a God after all. Maybe he's off meditating somewhere or other. Maybe he's gotten involved in a project. Maybe he's on vacation. You don't suppose he overslept, do you? need to be woken up. All right, this is, that's, what, that's what the message says that Elijah says. This is the gist of it, though. Like, maybe, maybe your guy's just sleeping. Maybe he just needed a bathroom break. Maybe he's just out of the office today. Who knows? He just, just taunts him. And then he gets to verse, we get to verse 30. Then Elijah said to all the people, come here to me. They came to him, and he repaired the altar of the Lord, which had been torn down. Elijah took 12 stones, one from each of the tribes descended from Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord had come, saying, Your name shall be Israel. With the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord, and he dug a trench around it large enough to hold two seas of seed. He arranged the wood, cut the bull into pieces, and laid it on the wood. 
Then he said to them, fill four large jars with water and pour it on the offering and on the wood. Do it again, he said. And they did it again. Do it a third time, he ordered. And they did it a third time. The water ran down around the altar and even filled the trench. At the time of the sacrifice, the prophet Elijah stepped forward and prayed. Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and have done all these things at your command. Answer me, Lord, answer me. So these people will know that you, Lord, are God and that you are turning their hearts back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and burned up the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, and the soil, and also licked up the water in the trench. When all the people saw this, they fell prostrate and cried, The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. Then Elijah commanded them, Seize the prophets of Baal. Don't let anyone get away. They seized them, and Elijah had them brought down into the Kishon Valley and slaughtered there. Now, we'll pick up in verse 41 next week. I, I just, we're going to stop right here and just kind of dive into this. I think the message and the goal of Elijah in this encounter with these prophets of Baal is something that we need to really think about and process together this morning. I, I, I really do. We need to kind of wrestle with this. And it's, a, it's apparent from the prayer that he prays. I mean, listen to this prayer that he prays. Let it be known today that you are God. Why? So these people will know that you are God and you are turning their hearts back again. Now, hear this. You are turning their hearts back again. Who's doing the turning? People? No, God is doing it. God is turning their hearts back to him. But just, just hear this prayer. Hear the kind of the mission in this prayer from Elijah. Why is he doing what he's doing? Why is he making fun of these prophets? Why is he taunting their false God? Why is he doing all of this? Why is he making it harder on God to do his thing? Why is he, why is he doing any of what he just did? So that the world will know, so that these people will know that God is God. That's it. And so that God would turn their hearts back to him. This is, this is his prayer. I think Elijah was really trying to get two things across to the people that day. And King Ahab was one of those people. We'll see that next week. King Ahab is there watching all of this. And here's what he's trying to get across. First thing is this. These other gods that you serve, these guys promise what only our God can provide. These little false gods, Baal and Asherah, these gods who promise, you know, if you worship me, I will give you good crops. If you worship me, you will be uh, wealthy. It's kind of like a, a health, wealth, and prosperity kind of thing that's going on here with Baal and Asherah, right? We have all of this here, and basically they're promising health, promising food, promising crops in exchange for worship. And all, again, this is, this is a culture that is very polytheistic culture. There was a belief in many gods. It was, just, it was accepted to believe in God and Baal and Asherah, and the list goes on. It was just accepted. It was just something that, that happened. They could coexist with no issues for many people. And all these gods promised 
a lot of things. And Elijah was speaking against this culture. These guys over here, they're not gonna, they can't do anything for you. They can't even bring fire, and he's the sun god. Look at my god. Look at all the water you poured onto that. <laughs> look, at, look at all the ways you made this impossible to do. But look, what, look who came through. Right? He's, he's basically just saying, like, look, this, this myth of multiple gods, this myth of, of Baal and Asher and all these other people that you worship, it is just that. It is a myth. Right? But here is the one true God. He is introducing these people to the one true God again. I say again because these are the people of Israel. They know the one true God. They should know the one true God. They know the stories. They know what God has brought them through. They know all of that stuff. And Elijah is speaking against this culture of polytheism, this culture of multiple gods, and saying, there is one God. These other gods, they are false gods. They are not gods at all. You are wasting your time and worship there. And Elijah knows from experience that this one true God is a God who provides for everything that we need. Not necessarily everything we want. Remember, Elijah, what was he provided? He was provided a meal in the morning and a meal in the evening. Remember the woman that he went and helped? She was, had nothing left in the jar. He didn't make that jar overflow. He just didn't let it go empty. Her son was dead. Not just a little dead, he was super dead. But brought him back. God provides for the needs of his people. Not always the wants of his people, but always the needs of his people. Amen. And this is what he's saying here I, I, from experience. And he knows this. Look, these, this, these other gods here, these are, these are not real gods. This is what he's trying to get across. These other gods are not real. They are not for you. There is one true God. And here is real, the real message that he's saying. Quit wavering. Quit wavering. You go back to verse 21 of chapter 18. Here's what he says. Elijah went before the people, not the prophets at this point, the people of Israel. And he says this. How long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. If Baal is God, follow him. But the people said nothing. He's saying, quit wavering. And at the end of this whole experience, at the end of this miracle that happens, what happens is the people of Israel are no longer wavering. What are they saying? The Lord is God. The Lord is God. Why are they saying that? Because God has revealed himself in a very real and tangible way through a sign of fire burning, every, burning everything. <laughs> They have seen God in their own eyes and they can say this, the Lord is God. There is no more wavering in these people. Amen. I think those two things that he's trying to get across, all of these false gods are not gods and it's time to quit wavering. This is the message of Elijah to these people, the people of Israel, the people of God. Remember from our word of God series, who are the people of God now? We are. Here's the message to the people of God. These other small gods, they mean nothing. Our God is real. Our God is God. Now, you and I don't necessarily live in a polytheistic 
society. We do. I mean, there are many gods. But most people subscribe to one, whichever one it is. Not many people believe in the Christian God and this other God and this other God. There's not many Buddhist Christians or there's, sure there are some. But usually people subscribe to one thought. We don't necessarily live in a, in a polytheistic culture. Most of us, most people in the world, I think, are genuinely really monotheistic in our beliefs. We believe in one God. But in practice, we are very polytheistic. We have many gods. We might not call them gods, but they are gods. Why are they gods? Because they go above God. Anything that is placed in our lives above God is a god. On the level of Baal and Asherah and all these other false gods that we read in Scripture. What, what are some of those things? Possessions, finances, relationships, jobs, work. And you can fill in the blank. What are some of the little gods that you subscribe to? Maybe right now they're not above God. Maybe they are. But what are some of these little gods in your life? I think Elijah would remind us this morning that these little G gods are not actually gods. These little G gods that we put so much importance on in our life are not actually things to be placed above the one true God. Yeah, we, we, maybe we're just so focused on money, retirement, finances, that it takes away from our relationship with God. That's a God. Maybe we're so focused on our job and our work and everything that goes on with that that we put it above God. That's a God. And Elijah would stand before us this morning and he would say, look, quit wavering. Which one are you going to serve? If, if your finances are your God, go serve them. Do whatever you can. Build up your wealth. Do it. Do it. Steal from other people. Do what you got to do to build your finances. If that's your God, then serve your job. God, worship your God. But if God is God, worship him. If your job is your God, man, go fully into it. Just work overtime every day. Just do whatever you got to do to make sure you are the best at your job because that is your worship to your God of work. But if God is God, let's worship him. You get the point here. Uh, what, is, what is the little God that, that is in our lives sometimes? It's going to be different for each and every one of us this morning. What are our little gods? I want to just spend a moment this morning and let you just think about what that might be. What might it be in my own life that I have put above my relationship with God? What might it be in my life that I worship, whether consciously or unconsciously, more and above God? What is that thing? And if it's there, like, let's, let's do what Elijah says here and just quit wavering. I mean, he just puts it really bluntly in verse 21. Look, if, if, if you're going to serve Baal, then serve him. If you're going to serve God, then serve him. But make your choice. Amen. Quit wavering. What is it for you? And I would just say this this morning to you. Whatever that thing is. 
quit wavering. Quit wavering. If you want to continue on that path and go, go for it, then go for it. <laughs> go for it. But quit wavering. If the God you want to serve is not God, I want to talk to you, but go for it. Chase it. Do it with all your heart. But quit wavering. And if God is the God that you want to worship and that you want to serve, then now let's go for it. Let's chase it. Let's do it together even, because that's kind of what we're here for. <laughs> and let's chase it. Let's do it. Let's, let's go. But I, I don't want to be a church that wavers. I don't want to be a people that wavers anymore. I, I want to take this, this page from the book of Elijah here in the first king. It's not the book of Elijah, but you know what I'm saying. I want to take this page out of his book and say, look, you got to choose. Quit wavering. Here's what I know. The gods of money and jobs and fame and fortune, they're not going to bring fire on the altar. They're not going to come through in your time of need. Amen. They're not going to help you through the difficult circumstances in your life. They're always going to leave you wanting more. And they might have you do some things in worship that seem odd. But the one true God that we serve is a God who provides for our every need. Is a God who is there in our time of need. Is a God that we can come and worship together. A God that has given us his word and his promises. Is a God that we can trust with our lives. Is a God that we can give our hearts to and know that we are secure in him. This is the God that we worship. This is the God that we praise. This is the God that we come and we chase and we go for. Quit wavering. I don't know about you, I want to be... I don't want to waver. Amen. I don't want to be known for my wavering. Amen. I don't want to be known for the, the extras that I do. I, I want to be known for my relationship with God. Quit wavering. This is the word of the Lord through Elijah to the people of God. You and I. Quit wavering. Let's pray. God, we love you. And God, we, we come this morning to your word and we hear this story of Elijah and it's easy to just look at this and be like, yes, how awesome is our God? He brought fire from heaven and, and all this other kind of stuff. But God, if we, if we see this story for what it is, we see it as a call to repentance for the people of God. A people who had been wavering, who had been serving other gods, who had been going a different direction. And God, this is a story of you revealing yourself and bringing them back to you. God, that's our story. And God, I just pray that we would, we would see ourselves in this story. That we would come back if we have been wavering, if we have been serving other gods, if we have been going a different direction. May we, may we see the ways in which you have revealed yourself to us. May we see the most important way that you have revealed yourself to us by sending your son literally to earth for us. May we see this and may we understand and may we, may we declare with the people of Israel, the Lord our God is God. 
God, may we put away these little gods, these false gods, whatever they may be in our lives. God, if you've put something in our mind, I just pray that we would just spend a moment repenting of that. And if we don't have anything in our mind, God, I just pray that you would just reveal that to us this week as we go forward, that you would just put that in our mind. What is the small g God that you've put in our lives? What is that we've put in our lives? How do we, how do you, God, would you turn our hearts back to you? God, I pray as we go forward this week that you would, you would just keep this forefront in our minds, that we serve you, that we follow you. May we not waver this week, and may you show us the ways in which we do as we go forward. Would you be in our workplaces? Would you be in our homes? Would you be in the grocery store with us, in the car as we drive? Whatever it may be, whatever place it may be where we are wavering, God, would you just reveal this to us? Would you just speak to us and and reveal yourself to us, God, and pull our hearts back to you? God, we love you. We give you praise. We give you thanks, God. You are good. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Would you stand with me this morning? And uh, as we go... Just, uh, we do this every week here. We just, would you just hold your hands out and just receive a, a blessing from God as you go. May our God, God of grace and love and truth, may he empower you through his spirit this week. May his spirit turn your heart back to him and away from the ways in which you have wavered this week. And as he does so, may he give you the boldness and the courage to go forward and to make a difference wherever you may find yourself. Go in the power of the Spirit this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for coming this morning. It's good to see you all. Thank you.